0: or even through all the content available on our YouTube page. Hey, our prayer is that God uses this message to change your life, and that you could become a dynamic disciple of Jesus. Thanks for listening, enjoy this message. Hey, it's the best day of the year everybody, it's Easter. Come on, this is better than the Super Bowl. This is better than New Year's Day. It's better than the Fourth of July. Let's give it up for the risen King one time, come on. Oh yeah, you got a reason to dance. It's not just the crazy people up here singing, you've got a reason to sing, you've got a reason to dance, you've got a reason to shout, because Jesus has risen from the dead. It is the best news, everybody. Hey, it's great to see all of you. So glad that you're here today. Um, This is an exciting season for our church, and I'm just so grateful for all of you that uh, have decided to go on the journey with us. Hey, we've been in this series. Uh, This is week four, and we're talking about how to be a radiant disciple of Jesus, And so we laid out steps, and of course there's probably 10 to 20 to 30 steps, but we just simplified by making four steps. And so we're talking about the idea of being, first step is rescued. And then the second step, the idea is being transformed, so rescued from sin, and then transformed to be more like Jesus. And then empowered, filled with the power of God to accomplish what he's called you to do to then be radiant to love, to serve, to be filled with the power of God so that you can make a difference, so that you can be a light. But we've actually been working backwards. So we started with the end in mind. And week one, we actually talked about uh, being radiant. So out of Matthew 5 and Sermon on the Mount, we talked about being a light. We talked about you and I stepping into God's call on our lives individually, as well as as a church, what it means for us to be radiant, for us to shine the light of Jesus to our world. Then we talked about being empowered, filled with the power of God. It takes the people of God filled with the power of God to fulfill the purposes of God. So we were talking about power and that God wants to fill you with supernatural power. Then last week, we talked about being transformed. And this was about the relationship that you have with Jesus, where he's at work transforming us as we behold him, we become like him. We talked about the transforming work of Jesus in your life so that today we could celebrate this big one. This one that has nothing to do with, I mean, anything that we could ever achieve. This is like a trust fall where we just depend on him and he rescues us. It's grace. It's his salvation. So that's where we're going to go today. We're talking about being rescued. Colossians chapter 1 reads like this. For he has rescued, just for fun, old school church. Can you just say rescued? rescued? There it is. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness. And brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves. In whom we have redemption. The forgiveness of sins. Let's pray together. Father we love you today. And Jesus we cannot stop celebrating the person who has transformed our individual lives and the world. Jesus you're the center. Jesus you're our hope. Jesus the resurrected king. I just love that lyric that we sang today. When we ask Lord Jesus. God, that you would do a work in this very room today. We thank you that you've been rescuing, you are rescuing, you will rescue, and we ask, present tense, do it again. Have your way in this house, in these hearts today. We honor you and we love you. And everybody said amen. 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 I'd like you to try to remember a moment where somebody rescued you. There was a rescuer. Maybe you were on the side of the road. Maybe you were skiing and you had an accident. Maybe um, there was some kind of financial disaster and somebody rescued you. Just try to think of a moment where there was in your life a rescuer. Someone came along and took you out of a tragedy, took you out of brokenness, took you out of a painful moment and rescued you. One that I think of that's probably not my greatest rescue, might be, but kind of a comical one was when I was about seven years old, my family, uh, we went uh, to Dorshack Reservoir with another family in our church. So uh, there were six of us. There was four of them. There was the three triplets. I'm a triplet, everybody. I was born in a litter. And so uh, David, Dana, and Deborah. And then they had a, a boy named Ryan, who was two years older, and then a girl named Julie, who was four years older. And I stepped out. I was about seven or so, and I stepped out on a rock, and my goal was to throw a branch in the water. I don't know if I was trying to, like impress Julie or be cool with Ryan or just maybe I was just that adventurous. I'm not sure but I fell into the water started floating downstream went underwater and in that moment a normal kid would begin to think oh no I gotta breathe all I was thinking I'm a pastor's kid I'd grown up in a in the basement in Sunday school the only thing going through my brain was where's the whale that's gonna swallow me baby like that's what I was thinking about and I'm not exaggerating that's a true story I started telling that story when I was about 12 and that's actually what I was thinking about But it was a scary moment because you almost drowned. I actually, because it was such a big day in my life, I actually remember the blue shirt, blue, white sleeves. I mean, I was scared that that was the day that I was going to drown. And and I forever had gratitude towards Julie. Forever, I mean, because this girl named Julie comes in and she, I mean, she comes in in the water and... It's this kind of mixture of like, I don't even know how to remember it. All I know is that if you say Julie inside my heart, it's just like, ah, <laughs> ah, because I mean, Julie reaches down in the water, rescues me, pulls me out of the water. And I can't tell at what point it was gratitude and what it turned into a crush when she walked in the room. But everybody, I spent my elementary years with this crush on Julie. I mean, it was like, wow. I mean, I was thankful. And, and I don't know if you could remember an actual moment where you were rescued. I don't know if you could think about, not kind of theoretically, but if you could actually step into some of the emotions. And when we read this text in Colossians, to try to even imagine the level of what it means, the depth, the 10 times, 100 times, a 1 million times deeper than any physical rescue, any financial rescue, is the one that lasts for eternity is this one where Jesus is the one who rescued us from the dominion of darkness. He rescued us from this dominion of darkness and into the kingdom of here, capital S, the son that he loves. That's what we've been rescued for, from. We've been rescued by Jesus to be with him forever. And my aim today is to conclude with this moment where you look to Jesus and you thank him. Some of you, you could remember the moment where Jesus rescued you far greater than any other physical rescue, far greater than any movie could make a rescue mission story, far greater than any news article where you could read about somebody who was rescued is the story of Jesus on the greatest rescue mission of all time to rescue sinners, save them and let them enter. I mean, into eternity. That's the best story. That's the best rescue story. And my dream would be that some of you would take a moment because it might've been years ago and, and, and you've just kind of been on autopilot, but that you would take a moment and that you would have a conversation today at the conclusion of this message where you say, thank you for saving me. Maybe today at the end of this message, there'll be some of you that will make this decision today to like a trust fall, just fall back and say, Jesus, rescue me. I'm drowning. I need you. There's some of you that you might begin the journey of just being open. You you, you may be here today and think, I I will never, I will never respond to Christ that way. But maybe God will start to open up your heart today so that you would have a future conversation, a one-on-one conversation with Jesus. I love one-on-one conversations that Jesus had in the gospels. A lot of times we think about Jesus kind of theoretically, I'd like you to think about him relationally. I'd like you to see some of the conversations that he had with people, because I think he wants to have a one-on-one conversation with you. There's a moment where Jesus steps into a man who was isolated. From what we can tell, he was greedy. And that could be you today. You could feel lonely. You could be someone who has got greed in your heart. And Jesus looks at a man who was a tax collector and he looks at him and he says, Zacchaeus, let's talk. And he says, I'm coming to your house. I want to have a feast with you. I want to talk to you. It's not just all these crowds. I'm, I'm a one-on-one conversation with you. There's a story in John 8 where Jesus looks at this lady who's been brought out. She's humiliated. She's embarrassed. She's embarrassed. She's an adulterer, living in sexual immorality. And when everybody has accusation, he has kindness in his eyes and he has a one-on-one conversation with her where he looks at her and he says, who condemns you? Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. One-on-one, life-changing moment. Conversation, change her life. Rescued her. Rescued her from a life of sin. Rescued her from a life of trying to get all of her identity in improper ways change her life right there. I just, I just love the way that Jesus is always having one-on-one conversations. And he wants to have a one-on-one with you. Acts chapter nine, there's a story where he has a one-on-one with Paul. Paul was formerly called Saul. And Jesus changes his name. But he looks at this guy named Saul and Saul thinks he's doing the right thing, but he's living it with a lie in his mind. Many of us, we think, man, I'm good. I'm zealous. I'm doing the right thing. Yet Jesus might have a conversation with you because he looks at him and says, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? To which Saul responds, Lord. And suddenly he realizes I'm doing the wrong thing. There are some of you today, you are emphatic. Saul was out persecuting the church. He thought he was doing the right thing. And you think, I've got truth. Yet Jesus is the only truth. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And so you may have walked in here today and the last thing that you're thinking is that there might really be a real spiritual response in your heart. But just like Saul, Jesus might start this conversation with you where you have transformation in your heart and you let him rescue you. I love all these conversations, yet I want to highlight one today because just before Jesus' death, before we see the resurrection, three days after he died, he rose from the dead. He has a conversation with a thief on the cross. And I love this conversation because who knows all the conversations that Jesus had, but when we have some of them, we like to marinate in them. Because when we look at these conversations, we not only see what Jesus is like, but we see how he responds to people like you and me. And he has this incredible conversation with a criminal, with a, with a man who up to this point, we have no record of any righteousness, of any good deeds, of any merit on his own. So I just want us to read it. Luke chapter 23 reads like this. Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the skull, they crucified him there, along with the criminals. One on his right, the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, he saved others. Let him save himself, if he is God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine, vinegar, and said, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. And there was a written notice above him which read, this is the king of the Jews. And one of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said. Since you are under the same sentence, We are punished justly for we are getting what our deeds deserve. Woo, this is a deep theology from this criminal. But this man has done nothing wrong. And then he said, Jesus, he calls him by name. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. And here's the glory moment. Jesus answered him, truly, I tell you, today you will be, here's the phrase I wanna double click on, with me, you'll be with me. You'll be with me in paradise. Sometimes you come to church like this and you think, um, maybe my story isn't one for Jesus. I'm too messed up. I'm too broken. Maybe you think the whole Christian idea is for people that have their lives together. I just want you to see that here's Jesus and he's in his last moments in the middle between two sinners. So in Matthew 11, Jesus was friend of sinners. Romans chapter five, verse eight says that we were, when we were all sinners, Christ died for us. So Jesus came and he was a friend of sinners. He died for sinners. First Timothy two says that Jesus came to save sinners. And even at his death, at the end, he's between sinners. He wants to be right in the middle of what you're walking through. He came for you. He wants to save you. He died for you. And he desires to be with you. He desires for you to be with him. Many of us think that's for my friend who's a really good person. That's for the person at the gym or the doctor's office or in my university class who's a really good person who has their act together. Yet the good news about Jesus is Jesus looked at a broken man filled with Greed. A a woman filled with immorality. A man so filled with religious pride. And Jesus has conversations. He saves. And I want you to see, I want to juxtapose two different viewpoints on the cross. Here's Jesus in the middle. And you've got one on one side, one on the other. One criminal on the left, one criminal on the right. And when we dissect The conversation of the viewpoint, the way that one criminal thought about God. He looks at Jesus and he responds to him this way. If you are who you say you are, interesting. That's kind of like our culture today. I'm going to have accusation. He's joining with the crowds that were sneering. He's joining in what was common. He's joining in. He says, if you are who you say you are, save yourself. And then he says, and us. So he's saying, I want to use you to accomplish my goal. Save us. You are a means to my end. Sounds like many in culture today. Tell you what, if you'll do this for me, God, then I'll follow. Then I'll believe. If you are who you say you are, then why did you do this? Then why that? Then how come? And just like the crowds, the accusation in the heart. But the other criminal... Responds differently. And it's intriguing that he responds differently because as far as we can see in the gospel records, he experiences the same narrative, the same story as the other criminal. Same Jesus, who just moments before said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Same crowds. He could save others. Why can't he save himself? Sneering. Same sign put by Pilate above his head, king of the Jews. And yet, same circumstance, different response. This conversation was different. So this man had the same circumstance as the other criminal, but his heart, his response, his view, the way he interpreted who Jesus is caused him to respond differently. Many of you, you would say, well, here's the bad thing that's happened in my life. Well, I'm not going to believe in God because, well, I'm not going to pursue God. Well, I'm not. But I want to invite you to switch perspectives. I want to, I want to invite you to be like the second criminal who looked at that first one and rebuked him. So I think the first step is this courage. He looks at him. He says, don't you fear God? Woo. (laughs) Think about the courage that dad took. I mean, here he is. I mean, even to talk is painful because they're on a cross. And he's rebuking them. Don't you fear God? Proverbs says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So maybe you today are thinking, well, I'm not sure where to start. How about start with this? Fear God. Maybe there is a creator. Maybe I'm not the center of the universe. Maybe God does exist. Maybe God does have a way that he wants to save me. Maybe God does want to transform me. Maybe God does want to fill me with supernatural power. Maybe there is a God. Don't you fear God. He's got this fearing God in him. And then he says, even when you are dying, then listen to this verse. We are receiving the just punishment for our crimes. Ooh, this sounds a little bit like Paul later on. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. He confesses this guilt. We're receiving the just punishment for our crimes. It's, I'm guilty. On my own, there is no goodness. This is the opposite of the humanism that exists in our culture today. No, no, no. That's, I am, I am. He says instead, I'm, I'm, I'm a criminal. I'm messed up. I'm receiving the just punishment for my crime. And then he starts to talk about Jesus. Don't you find it interesting that he starts to talk about Jesus with the elevated way of seeing a criminal next to him? But this man has done nothing wrong. What? I mean, think about this. When he's saying, Jesus, this man has done nothing wrong. Jesus, this, he, he's in a moment, he's the word kingdom. And you and I, we have the benefit of 2,000 years of church history. We've got 66 books in the canon of the Bible. We're able to read the Bible. We're able to look at church history. We, we've, you and I, we, we've heard these things our whole lives. If you're Gen X like me, you grew up with Sunday school and flannel graphs and people trying to convince you. If you're, if you're, a, I don't know, if you're Gen Z, you've grown up with preaching vegetables at you your whole life. And <laughs> we've got resources, we've got Christian songs, we've got Sandy Patty down the Via Della Rosa I mean, we've got, we've got so much to help us. And this man has no, he has no knowledge of the resurrection. He has no, he has no, these are dry bones rattling. No 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 No. Here's here here's what he's got. He's got a sneering crowd. He's got the sign the pilot put over the man's head. And he's heard his voice forgiving in his dying breaths. And he goes, I might be able to get in on that. Sorry. Not my merit. I've got no merit. This is a man. He's he's never done anything to prove himself. He's never, to the best of our knowledge, we don't have him serving the poor. He's a criminal. He's never memorized the right Bible verses. He's not been baptized. He's never gone to the DNA class. Never watched The Chosen. Never posted a Bible verse never given financially. Pick your thing. He's a broken criminal. And he starts this conversation. He says, Jesus, Jesus, he says, Jesus. He calls him by name. Man who saves. Remember me. I just love that. Remember me when you enter into your kingdom. You got a kingdom? Remember me? Sounds like rescue me. Jesus, remember me when you enter into your kingdom. And of course, the glory of this story is really not the criminal. It's the man in the middle. It's the savior. It's the rescuer. It's Jesus. Jesus is the central figure. Jesus is the rescuer. And he looks back at this man and he says, you will be with me today in paradise. Now there's a lot there. I could do a whole series on just that. I don't want to talk about in paradise. I don't want to talk about today. I want to talk about with me. You, imagine this, will be with me in paradise. This is the desire of Jesus' heart, is to save sinners. He likes to rescue sinners. He likes to eat and dine and be friends with sinners. He likes to transform the lives of sinners. He likes to rescue them. Jesus prayed in John 17, just before he goes to the cross, Father, verse 24, I desire for those to be, for them to be with me and to see my glory. He's got that with me in his heart in the garden. And he's still got that with me coming from his mouth to literally, I, I mean, on, just before dying, he's still. Rescuing sinners, he's having one-on-one conversations with sinners, uh, sinners with, with broken people, with messed-up people, with people that hate God, with people that are bitter, with people that are painful, and then have a moment where they go, "He must be the King." One Bible commentary talks about how maybe both criminals were sneering. We don't know, just that the crowds were. You don't know. We don't know at what moment the criminal changed his mind. But somehow towards the end, he changed his mind. And he goes. Jesus is always having one-on-ones. He raises from the dead. He goes and he finds his friends that have followed but are discouraged. Mary, John 20. Why Why are you crying? goes and he finds Thomas, his friend. Thomas, stop doubting and believe. He finds his friend Peter. Peter, one-on-ones, one-on-one conversations. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? I mean, the resurrected king, one-on-ones. Anyone wants to have a one-on-one conversation with you. Many people like to say, well... I live in the global information age where there's so much so many different ideas. Not gonna believe. Many people say, my pain's too great. Been hurt by too many people. Not gonna believe. I wanna invite you today for that not to be about you or your circumstance, but about him. The man who came to earth, lived a life that you could not live, lived perfectly, died on a cross, rose from the dead, and in so doing with resurrection, everything that he said, we believe. When the man who is perfect has the resurrection power and raises from the dead, you look back at what he said and said, whatever that is, I believe. Whatever that is, whoever he is, I will follow. And I know temptation is to go, oh, thief on the cross, great story. I've heard it since childhood. I'm gonna follow him. I'm gonna do what that man did. I'm gonna gonna turn to Jesus, my last breath, you know, when I'm old. Interestingly enough, to the best of what we understand, this was the first time the thief ever had the moment to give his life. This is the first time he has the conversation. Jesus knows a heart. Don't wait. Don't, don't put self before Christ and say, I'll wait for decades. Live in pursuit of self, pleasure, fun, same way that the thief did, just say, Jesus, rescue me, remember me, save me, change me. I wanna invite you, if you wouldn't mind, would you just bow your heads and close your eyes? Second Corinthians says, today is the day of salvation. Don't wait. Some people say, maybe I'll wait. Jesus saved the thief at the end. (laughs) We don't know how many tomorrows we have. Today is the day of salvation. Jesus is still rescuing broken, messed up, addicted, fearful, anxious, angry, isolated people. And he wants to rescue you in the same way that he was having conversations with people in our biblical record, he wants to have a conversation with you right now. Would you take a moment and would you have that confession come out of your heart? Jesus, rescue me. Rescue me from the dominion of darkness, the dominion of greed. The Dominion of hate, the Dominion of revenge, the Dominion of self-promotion on social media, the Dominion of lust, the domin- rescue me from all these things that are going to destroy me. Save me today. I give you my life. Save me, God. Don't wait. Today is the day of salvation. Make that choice right now, just that simple prayer. This isn't the only thing that you say to Jesus, but this is a great way to start. Made a decision to follow Jesus. I didn't fill out a connection card. I didn't raise my hand. But it changed me. I was an insecure teenager. I hated every day. And I know, I knew the truth when I was younger. But Jesus rescued me. I was bullied. I didn't like who I was. And he changed me. And we only have an hour with you. Hours not long. But he can change your life. He can rescue you. This isn't just church Systems and this is the story of the savior of the world. He still rescues. He still redeems. He takes the broken, the hurting. This could be your year. You don't have to leave today and just move on the golf and eggs and back to living for a regular, a regular life and be done with Jesus. Jesus is the better way. We'd love to go on the journey with you. Jesus, take what we give. We love you. The resurrected King ruling and reigning right now, the resurrected King. He didn't stay in the grave. He rose from the dead and you're giving new life the gift of God, which is eternal life today for every broken person that responds with a yes. I want to invite you today, just fall back. Just trust him. Just don't settle for a subculture, average, religious life. Have a real relationship with the one who saves, who rescues, who transforms, who empowers gives you something to die for oh god take what we give god we love you more than anything your first place you're our life and we on easter sunday come and celebrate again the central figure of our lives the lord of our lives the king the one who we we just can't get enough of the one that we just can't stop singing about can't stop jumping can't stop talking can't stop declaring this is my savior This is my friend. This is the risen Savior. Jesus is risen. Jesus is all powerful. He saved me. And I can't stop talking about it. It's my story. We give you honor and praise. Take what we give today. In Jesus' name.